Hey friends, welcome to this episode of Compassion and Courage, Conversations in Healthcare. I'm your host, Marcus Engel, and this is the podcast where I teach compassionate communication, provide perspective, and inspire resilience. With me in the studio today, as is often, is the hotness. Good day. Day? Afternoon, morning. Whatever time it is, yeah. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> One of those times that they're a 24-hour clock. Yeah. So today, um, today I thought we would share a story that recently happened to us on a flight. And um, I, I guess I'd preface this by the idea of compassion that we often go by is when we witness suffering, we are touched or moved by that suffering we have the desire to help ease that suffering, then we actually do something about it. So in a really extreme case, like say mm, me getting rolled into the emergency room, um, blind and with a smashed face, Jennifer was there for me. And I think that is, is a, a, like we said, an extreme example. Um, but it's also that same example. We've all been out in public somewhere. We've seen someone have a medical emergency or we've seen uh, an accident happen. And it makes sense that in those moments when we're witnessing another person's pain, that we react, reach out to them to comfort them with compassionate presence. I mean, that's what all of our work is about. Right. And so, so the, uh, so that, that's kind of what I'm thinking of as active compassion. But then I, I guess I think about this as uh, passive compassion too. And, and maybe that's where the difference in, in all of these things comes out, the splitting hairs. But it's that idea of actually doing something. And so this, this story took place recently, as everybody knows. We live in Orlando. Um, every time you come into Orlando on a flight, guess what? Every flight <laughs> is chock full to the gills. Every, every, there are no empty seats on right. any planes coming into Orlando ever to the end of time. Okay, that was a wide sweeping <laughs> statement. A little dramatic. There. Slightly dramatic. <laughs> but every, uh, most flights are very full. And of course, you have lots of families coming to Disney. Um, you certainly have uh, people like myself who have disabilities, especially in the elderly population that are coming down to Florida to winter. And, and so it, it's always a, it's always been an interesting time at the gate whenever you get to the, whenever you get to the airport and it's an early morning flight. And recently we were on an early morning flight coming back into Orlando and you know, this story was really more of yours than mine. So you want to you want to pick it up from here where we're at the gate? Well, this I have to tell you, I'm a little bit embarrassed of myself in this story. Okay. So I'm telling this uh, with a little trepidation because I'm a little embarrassed. We were finishing a week long tour. We'd been like at four cities in six days and we were tired. It was like 5 a.m. And we were at the gate headed home gate was packed and I really wanted to curl up and sleep and we were elbow to elbow in the gate and it was loud and it was preventing my sleeping <laughs> and there was this group of women mostly you know middle-aged elderly women and <clears throat> and I'm sitting there trying to sleep and they were loud at five in the morning and they were excited. And yeah, loud. not not a bad loud, not no. not being obnoxious, just excited. It, they to... were having a party. Yeah. 
at five in the morning when I'm trying to sleep and they're in my elbows and they were so excited about going to Disney World. And usually we are so chill with that. You know, families are excited to go to Disney and we interact with the kids and ask how many times they've been. And we answer all the tourist questions that we've answered 5 million times. And, and we're, usually, we're cool usually, with the, that. usually the kids are more worried about, Hey, can I pet your dog? Then <laughs> where's the best restaurant in Orlando? And we're, but we're down with all the questions. Sure. We really are, but it was five in the morning and we were really tired. I was tired. And, uh, but this, these women were like over the top. So excited. At five in the morning, I'm thinking, <laughs> where did you get the mimosas? We should also really state that while I am a morning person, you I'm, are not. I'm usually going to <laughs> sleep not. about five in the morning. Yeah, you and so, your insomniac ways. So I'm sitting there going, please don't hit me in the elbow again. I'm trying to sleep. So, <clears throat> and you know, I didn't say anything to them, of, of course. course not. You know, of course I didn't say anything. I all my eye rolls were internal. I was not addressing them, of course. But internally, I was like, please leave me alone. So um, finally, at one point, um, a couple of them went to the restroom and two of them right at my elbow started speaking to each other. And during the course of their conversation, one of them said to the other, yes, you know, her son just passed away. And as they discussed it, I realized it was a group of women who had all lost a son. And they were in a grief share program. Some type of support Some type, group. Not, of, a, not a formal. Right. That's a formal know. name. We don't know. So, so not that formal group. But they were in a program where they had been bonding over the fact that they had all lost a son. Now, I'm telling you, I can't fathom the pain of going through that. But they had all lost a son. And um, one of them said to the other, um, yes, not only her son, but in, the, in, a, in a most tragic way. Um, and, but due to the tragic circumstances of the son, then her husband committed suicide. So, so one of these four or five women then has lost... Two family members, two family her husband, members. first her son, then her husband, and is bonded with this other group of, of ladies who have also gone through unspeakable, unspeakable loss. And they are refusing to let that define their life. And they are yeah. going together to Disney to not let that define their life. To and they discuss celebrate, this. Yeah, to still have life and celebrate life and live yeah. like your loved ones would want you to continue living and and you felt embarrassed or you felt some shame in that because we were getting annoyed by <laughs> rambunctious talk oh my gosh and then to learn that these folks not only had had such great loss um, but they were choosing to still live their lives to the fullest. They were making such a wise choice yeah. to say, you know, I'm going to make a choice, a decision, because it is a decision to say that's not going to be the end of my life. I'm going to go on and make a good choice. And together they were um, using each other for the support to move forward. 
And I thought, you know, when we got on the plane, I remember telling you what had happened, that I broke my own rule because we always say compassion means remembering we don't know the other person's story. That's easy to remember when someone's crying. We don't know what they're living through. And we are, as empathetic people, we are very quick to say, oh my goodness, they've had a bad day. How can I help them? Um, it's even pretty easy when someone has is being mean. It's easy for me to go, man, maybe they've had a really hard day. Hurting people hurt people. It's right? I can remember that pretty quickly. If someone's mm -hmm. being mean to me or I see them be lash out, I always think, man, who knows what they're going through. But because they were celebrating, I think I kind of forgot. I don't know what, you know, there's a scripture um, about Mary, who uh, who poured oil on the feet of Jesus? Forgive me. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull my my train my training up here for a and, minute. And while while this is not a specifically <laughs> religious no, it's program, not. But we, I think uh, most people know this this uh, ancient scripture story. Who took the uh, her expensive oil and poured it on the feet of Jesus? When other her sister Martha said, "Don't be doing that. We've got work to do," and she went and poured her oil on the feet of Jesus. And there's a song that Cece Winan sings. If you haven't heard it, download it. And she said, "You don't know what it costs for me to worship right now." Hmm. Hmm. And we don't know what it cost those women to celebrate together. We do not know sometimes what it costs for people to dance and to be loud and to celebrate. It was one of those moments that I, it's very hard for me to, uh, to think of all of my usual issues, right? We've all got problems. We're all now here two years into the pandemic. Um, we know that rates of stress and post-traumatic stress and uh, violence are all across the board up and yet we don't know what any individual is going through we have to maybe put off our typical analyzation of other people's behaviors to be sure that we are acting in line with our values and our values, at least in the last 15 years that we've been married, are to be generous, mm -hmm. to be compassionate, mm -hmm. to be loving, mm -hmm. and to try to use our gifts for as much good as we can do. Mm -hmm. And yet sometimes, because we are human, mm -hmm. we can get a little wrapped up in our own stuff. But this is... This is where I have to thank um, those of you who have lost a child um, or lost a spouse or, you know, in certain cases, lost a parent too. We don't know really what that's fully like. We've never lost a child. Thank God. Thank God Almighty we have not. But if the worst thing were ever to happen, I know that we would want to be like these women. We would want I would, if I were to die, I would want you to continue on with life, live the life that you still have, celebrate, love people unconditionally, and, and yet 
we all get caught up in our own stuff. So I'm giving you a hall pass for being a little <laughs> out of sorts at five in the morning. And, uh, and we just really want to extend um, some virtual hugs to those of you who have lost children. And we want to raise our virtual glasses to those of you who have lost a child and who continue to show up and to celebrate this life that you've been given. Um, again, we, we, can't, we can't say how to do it. We haven't done it. But I, I celebrate those of you who are still choosing to live this beautiful life that we have. We do indeed. And uh, our hearts go out to hug you. Yeah. And um, we admire your strength. For anyone who's suffered any kind of loss. And um, we love you. Yeah, let's and all try to keep some perspective about what we can do uh, to react with more compassion, to respond with more compassion instead of reacting with, say, judgment or irritation or the like. And rem for all of us to remember every single person we cross path with, ha paths with has a story. Mm. We don't know that story. And um, you always say the opposite of uh, the judgment opposite is... Of, the opposite of compassion is not cruelty. The opposite of compassion is judgment. That's right. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that story. And I love you and I love your heart. And thank you all so much for being with us for this very special episode of Compassion and Courage. Uh, thank you to everyone who continues to interact with rates and reviews and stars and thumbs up and subscriptions and all that kind of fun social media stuff. Um, if there's anything that you'd like us to cover in future episodes, uh, any, any stories of compassion that you'd like us to share uh, or that you've come across, please feel free to reach out to us via the website, via Facebook, etc., etc. Thank you all again so much for joining us for this episode of Compassion and Courage. This is the podcast where we teach compassionate communication, provide perspective, and inspire resilience.